Hello and screw you, Cody. Welcome to World Shop, the podcast where we talk about creative writing and world building. I'm Jordan. And I'm Cody. How's it going, Cody? It's going good. Kind of. My kid's sick and he's not sleeping. So, you know, I'm not sleeping. Although I got a ton of sleep last night. So when you say your kid's sick, are you referring to like the skateboarder ways? Like, yeah, my kid's sick. Or are you like, cough, cough, my kid is sick? No, like cough, cough, my, well, it's more like snot, snot, my kid is sick, but yeah. That, Ooh, that. snot. Oh, God. I don't want to ever deal with small, snot, snot. So let's just never have kids ever, ever again. We should eradicate all kids. So, Cody, how are I you? I have been? two of them. So, you know, I you, like kids usually. Usually. I like my kids. You? you know what it is, is uh, when you have kids, you start understanding like the difference between ages and yes. like younger than two. I don't particularly like kids. I liked my kids, but if someone else has a kid that's under two, unless I know them really well, I get I don't really care about that kid very much. Three or like two and a half to three, kids are really fascinating. They're super fun. Graham tells me stories. He lies. He gets into mischief. How it's is great. he lies part of the good part of having a kid? I think people really misunderstand what good things for kids to do are. I, I would Lying is want... a good thing for a kid to do, apparently. Okay. Abs- absolutely. Yes. You don't want He's your a ma- kid to tell the truth. No. Not to me, and not all the time. This is, like, a thing that I don't get, is, like, do you think that teenage rebellion is a bad thing? Not Okay, it's more complicated than good and bad, but I'm saying, if your kid was like out there getting strung out on drugs wouldn't you want to know the truth no well yeah but that also is not the same thing as lying to me about legos i'm saying yeah but you're the one who brought up teenage rebellion so i took it to the extreme but i'm saying it's like why like i don't get why lying is ever a good thing why would you want anybody to lie to you i think that we all lie to each other all the time it it demonstrates a certain mental flexibility yeah i mean right that that's fine no, anyway. but he's telling stories. He makes things up in his imagination and then from tells just me. Lying. He tries we, to trick us into doing things that you, he wants to do. Do you think he this show is just us sitting down and lying to each other for an hour and a half every day? It is not that far off of it. Yeah. No, I don't I don't think these things are unrelated. I think there is a sheer difference, not unrelated, but a sheer difference between the general sense of lying versus Telling a story for entertainment. No, but I think that we tell stories for morality, and frequently those stories are lies or inflections of the truth to well, get yeah, a point across. My entire... Everything I've told on World Shop has been a lie. No, you misunderstand what I'm <laughs> saying. This is the, this would be like fables or really even just history is told from the perspective of whoever is writing that history, which itself kind of implies it is somewhat of a lie. Yeah, um, I forgot. I was told myself I would never engage if we ever started going down these routes. And here today, instead of engaging, what I'm going to do, Cody, what have you been doing recently? No, I'm just saying that the no, ability Cody, for a child to lie recently? demonstrates an intellectual flexibility That's that I great. find impressive and interesting. That is impressive <laughs> and interesting. Now, what have you been doing? I've been dealing with a kid lying to me a lot. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to freak out. <laughs> uh, no. Um... Well, so I think the one you want to talk about, right, is Elden Ring because I've been playing Elden Ring. Yeah, but Ring. you can talk about anything you want. I just well, I'm going to talk about some stuff like aside aside from Elden Ring, but yeah, I do sure. want to talk about Elden Ring okay. too. Cool. Oh wait, did I? We went over me finishing Cyberpunk, right? We talked about that. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that last time you were on the show. Right. So 
I guess my first question with Elden Ring is just how far are you into Elden Ring? Oh, not even remotely far. I literally did character creator. I, I also, if you're going to say, oh, well, I don't want to spoil anything. I don't care about spoilers, spoil away. But I don't I know anything about the story. So did, I did character creator. Game. I um, explored the starting area. I killed a giant. I killed a dude sitting at a campfire who I thought was NBC, but then he stood up and chased me down. Um, and then I killed a like wolf man in a cave and got the first map fragment, and that's literally all I've done. So you haven't gotten to Margit the Fell? I have not got past the first map fragment. The Margit the Fell is at the end of the first map fragment. I have not. Oh. other. I got, do you understand what I'm saying? I got the first map fragment. That's oh, where I'm at. I see what you're saying. I, I have not saying. got past Honestly, actually getting it. <laughs> I don't, I don't. I'm not good at figuring out where the map fragments are frequently, so I don't have a lot of them in oh. a lot of the parts of the map that I've been to, um, Ooh, which is hard. a problem when you go hunting for items that you see on a map, and then they're not where I think it doesn't matter. Um, so I love it so far. Um, it It's fascinating because it isn't and is very similar to Dark Souls 1. Um because I think the Dark Souls 1 was way more of an open world game than, at the very least, Dark Souls 2 and I think Dark Souls 3 even. Like, Dark Souls 1, you had a lot more flexibility about kind of where you went and why. And just exploring around was kind of fun to do in Dark Souls 1, you know, where you're just like, ah, I found a forest. I'm going to wander around through it and probably get killed. And it kind of gives me that feeling where, you know, so much of the game is just like, I see something over there. Like... I'm going to go over there and see yeah. what's over there. And then I get murdered by a bird and I'm like, woo, fun, you know? Yeah, I like to call um, it Death of the Wild. Yeah, yeah, right. I do love that in this game when you're exploring around, it's like you got to have your finger just poised over the, oh, crap, that's a dragon. I need to be on my horse right now button. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, the I got of the, times, that's the other thing I did. I got the horse, but I don't know quite how to summon him, so I haven't used him. Because I literally oh. got him 10 minutes before I stopped playing the game. That is confusing. You have to equip an item, and mm-hmm. then it's like it's like on your same inventory as like your flasks. You have to like scroll over to it, hit the button, and it pops you onto the horse. And that horse is essential when you're exploring. Oh, yeah. Because there are so many times when it's just like, doop, 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 doop. Oh, God. Oh, God, horse. Horse now. You know, and you're just like flinging your finger at the button and trying to get on the horse as fast as you can. Um. So, and also... The horse is usable in, like, most of the game. So there's lots of the game where you're like, oh, shoot, this is really hard. Like, get on the horse and jump over the difficult parts. Your horse has a double jump. Just like, boing, 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 boing. Are are you doing a straight melee build or what are you going? No, no, no. I'm doing magic mostly. Yeah, yeah. So so am I. I Astrologer. That's my starting class. Yep. Do you want me to give you a couple of little hints about how to make the astrologer a little bit better a little bit earlier? Yeah, what? Get the Look up where staff. the meteorite staff yep. is, yeah. And the Roxling. Sword. And Roxling. Moonvale Sword is difficult because it's got pretty high requirements. Um, I got the Carrion Knight Sword. Ah, yeah. And really, I will say this, um, the specialty swords early game, everyone's like, oh, this is a good early game int sword. No, it is not because you don't get smithing stones for them because oh, they yeah. take special smithing stones. So eh, you kind of have to know that you're going to get that sword. And it's not going to be very good. And then you have to find a bunch of smithing stones for it. The other thing is, are you using a shield? Yeah. 
I'm, I'm literally just started the game. I'm using what I'm given because I'm not that far. <laughs> Do you get a shield? Yeah, you get a little, yeah, little like wooden shield, a little buckler. So your sword arts or your like ashes of war are pretty uh, important. Online. Yes, they're pretty important though, right? Yeah. And the problem is they're bound to left trigger. So if you have your shield and you have a sword that has a good uh, sword art or ash of war, left trigger is, is parry. Is just parry, right? Unless you two-hand. But then you have to flip to two-hand, use your sword art, flip back to one and two-hand so you can use your shield, right? You can get an Ash of War called No Skill and put that on your shield, and then your shield no longer parries. But you can, with a a shield and a sword in both hands, you can use your sword art on your sword with your left trigger. Just so you know. So even if you put your... This is dumb. we. No one cares about what we're saying, by the way. Everyone does. There's a thousand YouTube videos about so, so it. But if it's you, stuff that even I if wish you put I had your known. shield on your right hand, you still left trigger will make you parry. No, um, I actually don't know. I think you would have to two hand it. It's Ooh. whatever's in your left hand. Yeah, will, that's, that's what art yeah, put it'll the sword do. Sword so in your you, left hand, and then put the shield in the right, and just play left handed. Well, you could, but then you can't power attack with your sword. Oh jeez. And <laughs> oh god. Thing, Oh, apparently, <laughs> apparently I did not know this, but like so in Sekiro, um, like stance breaking was really important, right? Yeah, the whole game was stance breaking. Apparently that just got baked into Elden Ring and they yep. just didn't put the meter on the screen. <laughs> so stance breaking is like always a possibility. That is the advantage of getting rock throw if you're a sorcerer. You can stance break with rock throw. Oh. Um but anyways, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I love exploring around the world. It's beautiful. I like that the graphics are not like super photorealistic. It's like no, no one's they're sitting just here like like gushing. a little bit cleaner Dark Souls graphics. They look yeah. like every other Souls world game, just a little bit cleaner. And I mean, I like that visual, but I I appreciate that they didn't go like, oh, you have to have the 10kest computer possible. It's just like, oh, my computer eh. physically can't run it. Yeah, well, I think I looked it up and you're just like, we were talking about it, right? And it like yeah. can at 20 frames a second on the lowest setting. <laughs> yeah, not how I want to play the game. Uh, right. Uh, no, so so the thing, I think the hardest part of this game so far for me was character creator because I was trying to make my chick, but like I just couldn't figure out how to make it look like she actually had a chin because she was like doing one of these the whole time with like it's like give give me a chin please and i'm like i don't want her to look like handsome squidward so i don't want to go that far but like she just like i kept working through it trying to give this chick a chin and just couldn't give her a chin you know i'm gonna make a joke this is a joke i feel like they shouldn't bother putting a face creator in games like this and they should just make a butt creator because like yeah you are you staring at the butt more you than spend you're the, at the whole face, game yeah. Looking at your character's butt, you never see their face. There's no cutscenes really where you see your player's face. Yeah, and the I'm also that happen. currently wearing a hood, so you can right. see even less of the face than normal. <laughs> Most of if you're playing like a any kind of like armored character, you're wearing a full face bucket. Like it doesn't matter. Well, in Dark Souls One, you know, it's like you're a monster. Yeah, you <laughs> so you look like, like you look like beef jerky. For most of the game, unless well, you keep, what so there's literally, literally no point of character creator in Dark Souls One because you literally are beef jerky for it's, ninety it's percent of the game. Like until you get good at it. It's honestly like kind of a troll. It's very like, mean. It is very mean. Like, like you they, spend times like, oh man, I'm gonna like make my character creator, and then you get in, and you look, you look like beef jerky. 
Well, and in my case, when I was playing Dark Souls 1, the first time that I, like, this was my playthrough of, like, 70 hours in the game, loved it, I was addicted to Dark Souls, and one, yeah, I looked like Bacon, two, I had a boar helmet, yeah, it was yeah. gigantic. I never got the boar helmet, but anyways, And naked. No, I was wearing, like, a robe that was flame-resistant, so I was wearing, like, a flame-resistant smock and a giant boar helmet, and I'm like, literally, I, even if I'm human, the only thing that changes is my mitts. You know, yeah, like, that's all like hands. Gross I just don't have bacon turkey. hands anymore. So quickly, so I can rant about the other thing that I would have talked about. What's the other stuff that you need to mention? Oh, um, I guess nothing. I watched Fargo recently. Really like the late. The movie or the series? The movie. Oh. And um, yeah. it's excellent. I love the Coen brothers. Yeah, it's, it's also very, movie. it's very miserable. Holy crap. I kind of forget yeah, how how miserable that movie is um but it's still it's still just a fantastic movie um it just like i don't know it's like like i said i've been like sleeping weird lately because of kids so i've just Probably been like watching watched fargo a movie in which there's a scene where a man gets put into a wood chipper that's that's the end and right honestly that's kind of the high point you know what i mean like yeah, at that well, point yeah, that is, yeah. by the time you get to the point of one of those people being fed into a wood chipper i'm like that list of wood chippered people should be longer you know what right. i mean doesn't it's someone like, just uh, get, like, very unceremoniously killed with an axe? The guy that gets fed into the wood chipper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He just gets, like, <laughs> like very, it's, like, very gets, quick, very, like, unceremonious death. Just, he, like, gets he gets beat offed. with a belt, shot in the face, axed, and fed into a wood chipper. Steve Buscemi had a rough time in that movie. Yeah, I mean, I think Steve Buscemi just has a rough time in general. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he's actually quite wealthy and lives a very nice life. Well, yeah, life. <laughs> but, like, he's been fed into a wood chipper. Um, well, okay, Cody, the thing I need, I need to talk to you about this, please. Is so, it Horizon Zero No, Dawn? it's Riverdale, Cody. Oh, frick, okay. Yeah, we, yes, I literally, this is, this is exactly why I mentioned it before the show. You're like, why are you talking about this before the show? So you actually remember what I need to talk to you about. So, Cody. We, okay, yeah? We, we, we both have watched Riverdale our lives. You stopped at, like, season three with the Gargoyle King thing. Where there's like the weird call and there's like the was that only season three yeah yeah Yeah. so I'm on season six and they got to the point where literally nothing matters the writers are doing whatever hell they want the actors hate it but they're all stuck in contracts so they could just the actors actually like on paper hate being yes there are multiple interviews with the guy who plays Archie where he's like I do not like this can't (laughs) blame him so okay so. Season five, five, there's a time skip, and they're all adults now. Archie is a war vet in what looks like World War II because they're fighting in trenches and all wearing, like, the drab green colors, which are not things that happen in current modern wars right now. Um, Betty is an FBI agent. Jughead is a, um, yes, Jughead is a failed writer. Um, Veronica is the quote-unquote she-wolf of Wall Street, like a like business mogul. And this is season five. That's that's. And so the are season, they still living in Riverdale? Yeah, they though? all come back to Riverdale because blah blah blah. blah. Oh, so, okay. So then season five ends with like Hiram like being exiled from Riverdale. Oh yeah, and Cheryl is like a weird recluse who who's now Cheryl again is the red hair who shoots the arrows. Oh right, she gets a bow at one point. Yes, so she's a recluse at this point, and now is like into weird like witchcraft and things. Like she almost starts her own g- g- cult and thinks she's a god at some point, but then she goes back uh-huh. to just being quirky. And so the season ends with Hiram being exiled from Riverdale and him wanting to um, Didn't they murder Hiram like 
I'll four seasons ago. No, they didn't. And and so him wanting to finally get revenge on Archie, he puts a bomb under Archie's bed. And so season six starts out with their Halloween season of five episodes where they do the alternate universe thing and like all this crazy stuff happens. And then you think, okay, well, they're going to go back to the normal boring show. So season, this new boring. season starts off. With like, oh yeah, they survived the bomb, but they say, oh yeah, we went, ran downstairs and hit under the table. And that's very clearly not so, because like the whole downstairs is completely collapsed in. And then we find out through the Wait, episode, they? Are Archie and Betty. And we find out. I thought the- Betty was with Jughead. No, they broke up a long, long time ago. Well, wh- who's Veronica dating? Reggie. <laughs> Who's Reggie? <laughs> so, wait, wasn't Reggie like her employee, like like her manservant at one point? Yes, he's still kind of basically that. <laughs> so, That's gross. That's weird. You shouldn't date your manservant. You shouldn't have manservants, first of all. So, anyways, the so 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 we get in. So they survived this bomb. Like Betty and Archie survived this bomb somehow because there was like you know a bomb under his bed, and he's like there's a scene where they talk. Did to, she oh, have bomb lingerie? I'm just curious. Before they. They were about to have sex before the bomb went off. So, yes. so she wasn't in it when the bomb went off. But anyways, she's like, they go to the scene of the two of them talking. She's like, yeah, you shield me from the bomb. And I'm sitting here. It's like, if he shielded you from the bomb, he would have been torn to shreds. How is this show going to explain this? And then Oh, the, is he dead? Can you be great. let me finish speaking for the love of man my story is gonna be better isn't it it's not gonna be that he's dead and my version so he's there's a scene where he's like lifting weights and he's like oh wow you lift more and he goes on the scale to weigh himself and he had gained 30 pounds in less than a week and then there's another scene where betty's walking through a hospital and sees this weird red aura around this guy who later turns out to be a killer and guys guess what spoiler heavy um riverdale is straight up doing superheroes now betty and archie have superpowers and it is the most wild thing I've ever seen because they don't even explain how they could get there. And still in this episode, there is a possession and a gang war and Jughead goes deaf. And there's a bunch of other stuff all in 40 minutes. Jughead goes deaf? Yeah, because he was also at the scene of the bomb. And then he goes to the hospital. Oh, yeah, I only have 90. Uh, I lost 97% in one ear and 83 in the other ear. I can't hear you anymore. <laughs> So I mean, like so that sucks. So superpowers and Jughead's death. <laughs> hearing aids exist, though, right? So like, I mean, I if, mean that's not... if you're almost completely deaf, I don't think a hearing aid's going to do anything to you. I don't know what the cutoff there is. I don't think I it's ninety-seven percent of hearing loss. It just—it's a weird thing. I, I'm trying to—I'm trying to explain. Like, if he was a real person, that would be very sad. And like, hearing loss sucks. I'm sure. But you know he's, he's not going to be deaf a, the entire season. One. Well, no, but what it is is even if he was, it wouldn't impact him as a character at all because he doesn't listen to music or play music. He's a writer, <laughs> like on on paper. Yeah, he writes. But on you know that you have to hear other things in life. No, right? no, I'm I'm trying to explain. I'm trying to explain this to you. It's a weird thing to do. Man, to being deaf only sucks if you can't hear music. No, you misunderstand my point. 
he's a character in a story. Yes, I they understand. Get to, they get to decide what happened to him when an explosion went off. They could have just as easily blown off his hands or blinded him. And they chose to go for death, which is weird because it doesn't relate to his character at all. Well, you clearly know what I mean? they're going to give him some sort of superpower through the deafness. They're going to make him exactly. like death daredevil. Exactly. And that makes sense for like Archie, who's like always been a like super strong fighter in the show. Now he's super stronger. He's Captain America. Yes. Or... Not Veronica. Stacy. Betty. 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 Betty, Who's like been an investigator. Now she can see people's emotions. That works for her. And then it's like. (laughs) Jughead just can't hear. (laughs) And Jughead's deaf. And I'm like, what? He's never really been like a great orator or anything like. Why does that matter? If it. No, you know, this is a good example. Also, this is the first episode of this new season. So, like, I don't freaking know. This all. All this stuff, in I not kidding when I said there was a possession, like an actual supernatural possession. All of this happens oh. in one was episode. It Veronica's dad? No, no, Cheryl. Betty's dad. No, Betty's dad. Cheryl got possessed Cheryl's by her eight ancient ancestor, who um apparently is a witch, and apparently Cheryl has a full library of witch books now. Which yeah, is, I mean, why not? Honestly, which was like, never a thing, but now it's a thing. You're bringing this up like it's making the show worse. And I know I'm not bringing. No, no, this made the show better. I'm loving it. I just am just so amazed that this is where they went after seasons. Like, oh yeah, we're adults now, and we're going to show the realities of how life is hard as adults. And oh, also another thing that happened. There's also another serial killer in Riverdale. Another. There's only you can only you only get so many of those before I think the town just gets burnt down. You yeah, know? you should just. Every, it was, oh yeah, the previous season was about like saving Riverdale because like Hiram wanted to pretty much like buy Riverdale, make it his own like Hiram town thing, and so it's like no, was, just let him buy Riverdale, let him have. Oh, it. Okay, I I saw that season or no, at least part of it because yeah. that was season five when they were adults and everything that I just explained happened. Hey, you were like, no, this. Then that's been the plot for like He's three seasons. He's done it multiple times. They're not, they're <laughs> like, not good writers, Cody. That, that has already happened. Like Hiram Town has been said in the yeah, show. He, oh no, I yeah, he, he does become mayor and by the jail at one point. Yes. Well, no, because that's when he like has like that boxing ring with Archie, and then that's a completely different season, Cody. But that's when he's but he's trying to buy the town yeah, at that point. Yeah, yes, he is. Yes, he is the bad guy who's has like he literally put a bomb, like a stick of dynamite bomb, under Archie's bed, and then drove away laughing like a cartoon villain. Did oh, he, and there was also an assassination plot in this episode. Did he blow up his car already? Yeah. He yeah. needs to stop trying to kill Archie. Well, you know, it's like, he, well the, ca- it the character is off the show, so like, I who Archie or Hiram? No, I literally just explained how Archie was in this entire episode. Who do you think is off the show? Hiram. Oh, <laughs> I'm well, like, I'm like yeah, he's, he's off the show. It, no, he was. He's off the show. Wait, who? Archie? Yeah, the one that they just put a new plot on. Yes, he's not on the show anymore. <laughs> So did Hiram literally just like episode one, like he sticks a bomb underneath Archie's and bed, drives, drives away, away like laughing, a cartoon and you villain. see him like drive off the set, that was like at the, throw that his was costume at the out the, of the window. That was at the end of season home. five. He drives away like a cartoon villain, like, <laughs> and then that's the end of season five. And then season six starts the alternate universe. And now this part of the season is superheroes. Oh, that makes sense. So they're having to like, cause they lost their main villain who they were just going to recycle forever. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to make, um, Frick, I can't keep any of their names straight. Redhead girl. I wonder if they're going to make her the villain. Yeah, because she She's literally kinda... got possessed. So I assume that's where they're going with it. 
Well, and she just like has a heel turn every three seconds. Yes, she's like absolutely. the Vegeta of the group. You know, it's like, oh hey, the show's getting boring. Vegeta's evil again. Like, how many okay, times did sure. they do that? Actually, well, one of the times was Boo, so it doesn't really. Well, count. the other time where he was literally possessed by an alien named Baby, and so if you look up Baby Vegeta, it will come up with not a child Vegeta. It will come up with a weird looking like alien, like he has like slick back silver hair, like these golden shoulder pads. Yeah, Baby Vegeta, it's a thing. Well, golden shoulder pads is like the standard armor, isn't it? Well, no, those are bronze. These are like, we'll, we'll, just type in Baby Vegeta, please. Well, all right. Okay, then we can get to the real show. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Dragon Ball Z went to some places. So anyways, Cody, what are we doing today? <laughs> Is that supposed to be Vegeta? Yeah, with the silver hair? Yeah, that's supposed to be Vegeta. Wow, you know, those are some intent in a in a show that was famous for its shoulder pads. Yeah, it gets even more intense. Those are some shoulder pads. Yep. <laughs> it's... I'm gonna level with you and everybody else. Dragon Ball Z isn't good. No, I mean that's true. <laughs> like, like I know some people love it, and I did watch a lot of it, but Dragon Ball Z is not good. Well, and like, <laughs> I don't know. I guess I've never considered it. I never really thought it was good. I it's something I watched when I was ten, and I enjoyed watching when I was ten. I don't think I'm the target audience anymore. Also, he anymore. turns into the giant monkey, and the shoulder pads still exist on shoulder pads, gloves, and boots still exist on the giant monkey. I'm no, they explained that within fiction, Jordan. The Saiyan armor is meant to expand with their bodies. Okay, no, nope, I'm wrong. So, anyways, Cody, what are we doing this week? Um, the same thing we do every week, Jordan. Trying to take <laughs> over the world. The pinky and the yeah, brain. I mean- the pinky and the brain. Sorry. Anyways. Both are geniuses and both are insane. Anyways, Cody, so we're doing stories again because Cody just dipped out on like doing the explanation as we usually do. But uh, we're doing stories. We're continuing the same things. And I think sometime soon we're probably going to do a um, on the spot world. So, Cody, do you want to roll for which who gets to go first? Yeah, I forgot we do that. Yeah. Wow. You would, I don't even know what this number is. Oh, it's an 18. Okay. Wow. You rolled high. Yeah. I, All right. Here we go. Let's see what we get. 14, you're going first. Okay, so my original chapter was nine pages. And while I could sit here and read nine pages, I know Cody doesn't necessarily want to sit and listen to me read nine pages. So what I did instead was split the chapter at um, five pages. So instead of being nine pages, it's now going to be five pages. And I'll read chapter 13, part two next week. How about that? It's going to get hard to keep up with because I'm renumbering the chapters as I finish um, rewrites and edits. So I now have two chapter 13s. So that's getting kind of complicated. Anyways, um, I have nine pages this week. <laughs> wow. Well, now I am super glad that I decided to split it this mm-hmm. week. So there's not <laughs> freaking 18 full pages of stuff getting right. But also Maybe you I write should... much different than how I write. So my nine pages is much longer than your nine pages. I'll see how long we're going. If I feel like I'm going to well, end up taking forever, I might. I might. Because I actually have kind of two chapters. I have an interlude in a chapter. And I thought the interlude was going to be a page and then it turned into four. So maybe I just read the interlude and I don't read the we'll, chapter. We'll, fi- we'll no, see how we feel. we the whole chapter. We're going to figure it out. Anyways. No, it's two separate chapters. No, it's all great. This already. is chapter 13, Jane. Which is kind of funny since I'm splitting into two parts. You're not getting to Jane today. Anywho. <laughs> okay. Nate sped through the streets in their bright red dre- Jeep on the way to the no-name private hospital. 
The smell of the late summer after a night of rain spread through the windows as the bright morning sun gently beat down on us through Nate's open roof. Nate was in good spirits this morning. They were blasting some indie rock station over the radio and rhythmically tapping their hands on the steering wheel. While they were trying to quit smoking, Nate had developed the gross habit of chewing on the butts of unlit cigarettes. They said it helped them stay calm. Why are you looking at me like that? That's a thing people do. What? <laughs> yeah. There's also um the musician, uh, what's his name? Eric Nally, who just used to eat cigarettes. <laughs> Anyways, while they were Anyways. trying to quit smoking, they had developed the gross habit of chewing on the butt butts of unlit cigarettes. They said it helped them stay calm because it felt familiar. I was fine with whatever they did, but I still find, found it kind of gross. I sat back and enjoyed the ride, though, fading away into the music. Who knew what type of day it would be? With the little information I had, it could be anywhere from an easy day of monster hunting or a hard day of being hunted by a monster. You know, eventually you're going to have to quit this nasty habit, I said smugly as we approached the no-name private hospital. The music filled the gap, but I still hate it when conversation was dead. I wanted to chat a bit to get a feel of where Nate's head was at. Any conversation starter worked. It's not a bad habit, Nate said with an eye roll as they took the cigarette with the chewed up butt out of their mouth and stashed it in the small trash bin that was in the cup holder of their door. Also, I realized that I use way too much words to explain things that have already been explained. Anywho, this is why you do editing. Oh, that's a weird line to write into the middle of your story. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I just like because I it's very meta. No, I get because it. Because I assumed we since we didn't do like two weeks of recording, I assumed we weren't recording this week. So I didn't like have time to go through this and edit it. And then you're like, oh, yeah, we are doing an episode. I always assume we're doing an episode. It's like, oh, crap. <laughs> so I'm glad we're now on the same page. So I'll always have something a little bit more prepared than this. <laughs> oh it's definitely that bad i said back to them jokingly prude nate sneered while sticking out their tongue they pulled into the parking lot and went directly to our usual spot okay seriously dude i began you seem to be in such a good mood what changed between today and yesterday oh yeah i forgot to mention chris called rachel is stable again and things seem to be looking up plus we got a new case which uh, so that means no desk work i get bored easily any change of pace is good Nate said cheerily as they parked the car and took the keys out of the ignition. Glad to hear Rachel's doing okay, but you aren't worried this is going to be a tough one? I asked, looking at them questioningly. Not really. I don't really think like that. Whatever happens, happens. You have my back, I have yours. Our first case, we faced time reefs. There is not much more that is worse than that. Nate smiled and got out of the car, heading to the front doors of the hospital. Hey, wait up! I called after them, hurrying out of the car. Hurrying out of the car to catch up with Nate, they always walked quickly with an air of confidence. I struggled with the seatbelt for a second and barely caught up to them as they were climbing the steps. We reached the double doors together and bo both pushing one open to step through. I turned and smiled at Nate. Here we go again, I said lightly. Eli was waiting for us in the lobby. When he saw us come in, he made a point to look down at his toned arm and point to his watch. His thick eyebrows furrowed into a frown and he let out a deep sigh. You're late. Again, Eli said in a stern, frustrated tone as he brushed his thick black hair away from his face. Not my fault this time, Nate said in a matter-of-fact tone, pointing accusingly over at me. I was quick to defend myself from being thrown under the bus. 
Sorry, but in my defense, my phone died and they didn't try to wake me up, I said apologetically. Eli let out a small laugh. Oh, so you two are staying together now, he asked with a, in a joking tone. Nate let out a tsk. Fuck off, they said as they quickly shook their head. Eli smiled and laughed again. I meant nothing by it. Anyways, I said, cutting in harshly. I didn't really know what Eli was getting at, but it was better to kill the conversation before it started. What's the case this time? Eli took a deep breath and leaned down to a lobby table to pick up a small folder. He was always well prepared and very organized. Eli was the type who carried himself with dignity. Unlike Nate and I who wore street clothes for every mission, Eli always dressed one step down from Alistair. He wore a white button-up shirt with silver buttons and had his sleeves rolled up to his elbows. His shirt was buttoned all the way up and a solid black tie hung from his neck. Eli was a toned man with sharp features and jet uh, and thick jet black hair that fell slightly past his ears. His eyes were a strong golden brown that complemented his dark skin. He had a smile that could light up a room, but he was usually stiff, calm, and very calculated. Eli t took his job seriously. Not to say that Nate and I didn't take ours seriously, but he was very work first, jokes and play later. Sometimes this caused small clashes between him us and him, but at the end of the day, I liked Eli. He was good company despite being a hard ass at times. I think Eli's serious demeanor came from the fact that, like Nate, he had been with no name since he was young. Unlike Nate, he had not wanted to become a field agent and instead rose through the administrative side. I was surprised to hear from Alistair that most of the firewalls and systems that keep the no name information safe were designed by Eli. He was smart as a whip, but didn't let deathwork hold him down. In the last year or so, right before I had joined No Name, Eli had become the leader of the lead case handler. This meant that he was the one who gave out the cases and followed through with each of them till the end of a job. When it came to handling the cases, he was right under Alistair as far as the local leadership. He also worked with the cleanup team on the information that was given to the public. Despite our friendly relationship, Eli was a big deal when it came to No Name. Eli opened his folder, quickly scanned over the information, then looked back up at us. Last night, a teenager was seen on the side of the road and brought into the no-name hospital by an ambulance with recommendation from the 911 hotline. He began in a strong, steady voice. Despite being so hidden amongst the everyday world of Westonville, enough people knew about no-name. There were enough agents strewn about that any word of a a new anomalous occurrence always made it back to headquarters. Regardless of the incident or where it happened, people usually pointed people were usually pointed in the right direction. Eli shuffled through the papers before continuing. Jane Myers, female, age fourteen, goes to Westonville Middle, eighth grade. <laughs> That's oddly specific, Nate interrupted with a chuckle. Eli cleared his throat loudly as if to say no more interruptions. She says she was wandering back by the old abandoned Mark Twain Elementary School when she saw a black wolf-like creature. Upon getting closer, she said the wolf had large red eyes like pieces of glass and its fur looked like it was made up of a black goo. She says she got too close and the wolf gave chase, but not before she received some mild injuries. Eli took a pause to sort through the folder again. Black goo and red glass eyes. That doesn't sound like anything we know, does it? I said, looking over at Nate, whose face was scrunched in a frown as they thought through their knowledge of the anomalies. Not that I know of. Could be a parasitic goo that took over the brain of a wolf or a large dog. But how many wolves do you think are around Westonville? 
Nate said. Well, if that's the case, then at least one, I said back. Nate rolled their eyes and at me again and continued. Plus, parasitic goos are usually acidic and take on more sickly-looking colors like yellow or green. I don't think we have record of a black one. Yeah, that's the part that's tripping me up. Doesn't sound familiar. Is there such a thing as a new type of anomaly? I asked. Well, maybe, but anomalies don't just pop up. The goo probably leads back to a source, and once we find it, Anyways, Eli said loudly, cutting Nate off to catch our attention again. In the scuffle with the creature, Miss Myers fell and broke the radius on her left arm towards the wrist, and she was, and she also received a bite on her shoulder. Eli held up a X-ray of the broken arm and a picture. The picture was of a bare shoulder with a large bite mark that looked like it was from the mouth of a canine, if I knew any better. There was red irritation around the bite like you would see with a normal bite, but it was nowhere close to the pictures of a parasitic, parasitic goo attack. With black dots, sorry, little black dots were left in the puncture marks from the teeth. The plan is to hold her here until we know that a bite from the creature will not cause any further damage. Like what? Are you expecting her to turn into a zombie or something? I asked. I was more worried about the black goo turning out to be poisonous or infectious, but let's add zombification to the list as well. Eli sounded irritated, letting out a deep sigh. But on a serious note, the nurses had to clean the black goo from the wound, so Alistair and I were afraid that some of it entered the bloodstream. Gross, I said, sticking out my tongue. But at least she hasn't shown any signs of that yet, right? Right, Eli confirmed. You said there was a picture when you called me this morning. Let's see it, Nate cut in. Well, about that, Eli trailed off. He sounded a bit nervous. What do you mean, about that? Nate said, giving a questioning look. Well, I guess I came off too strong on the cover-up side of things, and she won't give us her camera or the picture, he said with an embarrassed tone. What happened? I laughed. She thought that we were going to take her camera, delete the photo evidence, and gaslight her into believing that she, what she saw was a hallucination caused by fumes in the air or something of that nature, he said. Sweat was starting to form on his brow. He was generally good with people, but there were, were many times at the leaky faucet where I saw Eli's social anxiety rise to the surface. Maybe dealing with someone much younger than him was the trigger. I mean, isn't that exactly what you were planning to do? Nate said harshly. Isn't that the normal job of the cleanup crew? Well, yeah, Eli said almost shyly. He looked like he had been caught stealing a cookie out of the jar when his parents told him no dessert before dinner. In this moment, Eli's stiff administrative demeanor faded away, and what remained was a guy like me who was trying his best. I tried to approach it as normally as we normally do, and then she shut down. Death gripped the camera and wouldn't allow me near her. Nate laughed, throwing their head back, and then looked back at Eli and, and gave a big toothy grin. Please don't tell me you tried to snatch the camera out of his hand, out of her hands. Maybe, Eli said, pausing, looking down. I laughed as well. Man, I always assumed you were bad with kids, but I never thought you would be this bad. I looked over at Nate, who was shaking their head and, while running their fingers through their hair. Why didn't you tell her the truth? I continued. She might have been way more ready to show off the picture if she knew what we do here. Eli shook, his, shook off his shame and straightened up. His administrative demeanor was back. If we tell a teenager of the anomalies in our work here at No Name, the chance of them spreading the word and ruining the anonymity, 
anonymity, whatever the word is, um, no name is much greater than if we told an adult. Imagine if that picture got posted online. It would spread like a virus. Panic was spread throughout Westonville when monsters were proven to be real. It is one of my main jobs to ensure that that never happens, he said in a strong, authoritative voice. Eli was about my age, but when he put on the boss hat, he was very intimidating. Yeah, I understand that, but both you and Nate learned of anomalies at a young age and didn't ruin the grand and... How do you pronounce that word? Anonymity? Anonymity? How? It's anonymous. How do you... Oh, like... A-N-O... Like anonymity? Yeah, anonymity. Yes. Anonymity. Anonymity. Cody, can you say it one more time? Anonymity. Okay, I'm just going to cut and paste you saying it there. <laughs> of no name. <laughs> I had said grand anonymity with air quotes to get my point across. True. But the circumstances were much different than they are now, Eli said in a dark tone. In that moment, I had completely forgotten myself and forgotten why Nate and Eli both had both been thrust into the world of no name at a young age. Both of them were taken in after they were attacked by anomalies and lost their families. It wasn't as light as a kid stumbling upon a monster in the woods, despite that not being too light itself. There was tragedy and pain surrounding their first encounters. That was the theme of working at No Name. You had to experience the worst end of the anomalous events, almost as if it was your entrance exam. I had gone through it with my parents, Nate with her dad and Eli with his grandmother. Entering this world was never easy. Sorry, I apologized quietly. Eli nodded his head in understanding. Nah, I agree with Danny on this one. Why not tell this kid what's up? Nate said, shrugging. She saw the anomaly with her own eyes, and she even got a picture of it. Why try to beat around the bush? Let's tell her what's up. Make her promise not to blab. Let her keep the pictures as a souvenir and then send her about her merry way. It's way easier than ripping the camera out of her hands and gaslighting her into therapy for the rest of her life, Nate said in a serious but light tone. They nodded at me as well, letting me know that my comment didn't bother them. Nate, for the most part, seemed like they had moved past their tragedy. I knew there were times when it still bothered them, but at the very least, they put on a strong wall blocking it out. Eli sighed and then shrugged back. You guys are one of the best teams I handle. I trust your judgment. Do what you need to do. Don't mess this one up. Oh man, you have the utmost faith in us, huh? Nate said sarcastically. This one is important. There is an unknown creature roaming the woods near the industrial area. The chance of it being spotted and more people getting hurt is high. You said we were one of your best teams. Let us do what we do best, I smiled. Fine, Eli said solemnly. You, your case starts now. Go to room 104, talk to Jane Myers, and get any more information of the anomaly if you can. Go to the site of the event to investigate. If you see it, try to capture it. If not, try to get any samples so that we can track it easier. Our trackers can narrow down the area, but we don't know exactly where it is or how it is behaving. I assume you two will do this to, in the most chaotic nature possible, so try not to make too much of a mess. You got it, boss. Nice and simple, Nate said, slapping Eli on the back as they walked past him, already heading to room 104. They swiftly turned around and gave him finger guns. You don't have to tell us how to do your jobs. Leave this up to the pros, Nate said excitedly and turned back around. I walked past Eli and patted him on the back as well. I'm just along for the ride, but we will try to wrap this one up quickly. Seems easy enough, I said, and followed Nate down the rest of the hallway and to, and to room 104. 
And that's where I'm going to do my chapter break. I think that was a good place to do your chapter break. Okay, so I have a question. Have we seen Eli before? No, but he's been mentioned many times. Okay, gotcha. So this is the first time he's been like on screen, yeah, though. Yeah. Quote, okay, unquote, cool. Yeah, yeah. He's been cool. mentioned before, like all the way back in, I think, like after the Lambert thing, they mentioned that, oh, yeah, Eli was the handler. And then the butterfly story, he was mentioned. But this is the first time I actually wrote him in. Gotcha. No, that that's fine. I just like had that moment where I was like, oh, shoot, uh, this is a character that I do not <laughs> oh, know shoot. at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's why there was a bit more of a description of him up top, because this is the very first time. I wondered. I wondered if it had either been a while or if this was really the first time he was there. Um yeah. Yeah, reading that out loud, I realize there's a lot of stuff I need to just edit out that's just information that just doesn't need to be there. <laughs> um, I mean, there was a lot. Like, if if I was going to go through, I would say, yeah, I mean, there was kind of like a dump of information there, but I honestly kind of appreciated it just because I didn't know who that character was. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, honestly, I mean, I'm just like, the, the, like, some of the things, like, while they're talking, there's like little, like, little blurbs I could have cut out, and they're like on the way to no name like even the, the Eli itself was fine but like on the way and then like some of the little things that, especially the very first two paragraphs I'm like wow yeah no I can cut like all of this out and I think in one of my future chapters there is something I can just like tear down completely but anyways I wonder if that's one of those things where maybe you could uh, kind of introduce that character a little bit earlier and establish yeah. them a little bit more um like, that's just, like, an interesting structural thing, though, of, like, would it make sense to add the character early in the story, like, in a few scenes? Um, I don't know, like, in my mind, like, done like a TV show, it would be the guy, like, you see on the, like, side, like, like you know, in montages and stuff like that, but never, like, actually yeah. talk to until, like, later, and then you just have a scene where they talk to him, and you get a little bit more information about this dude, but, yeah, I can trim it. I don't know, this is a, this is all a fun experiment. I, I don't even know i don't even know if i would say trim i think a lot of that information just maybe needs to be in a different place in the story but it's it's like all good information i actually like the character yeah um i think nate especially is a character that kind of needs a foil yeah that's and pretty much what eli is supposed to be yes the yeah the main character isn't that really yeah. for nate um well the main character is more of the everyman and eli right 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 is the foil like yeah, they both grew up like the same. They had the same thing happen. They both joined. Um, one decides to go field agent. What other decides to go stiff administrative bureaucrat shit. And yeah, and you and I do in the other chapters like work on that whole like juxtaposition a little bit more of like their differences and like the yeah. fact that he does like piss Nate off because he is like one of those like oh everything needs to be done a specific way. Yeah, that could almost be, like, a thing that, like, because I think in one of the earlier chapters, you, like, mentioned them doing paperwork. You could almost have, like, Eli there being like, oh, you gotta get your paperwork done, you know, yeah. like, because those can be, like, short interactions just to kind of set up that they needle each other a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Because this chapter, and, like, again, this isn't, I liked the interaction. It was just, like, from nothing to, like, Zero to a hundred in, like, five seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's clearly a history here. Um. But I think it's a good relationship to have in the story. Um, I think I... Okay, so I wrote... Like I said, I kind of wrote two chapters. And I was thinking I was going to read both of them. I don't think I am. I think I'm just going to read the interlude. Okay. So this is an interlude one. I thought it was going to be shorter than it ended up being, but I had too much fun writing it. Hmm. So this is interlude one, The City. You set all that up to be completely silent. Interlude yeah. one, The City. 
like literally i'm probably gonna cut this out if i remember i'll leave the silence but there was like a solid like 30 seconds of just like the city so what it was is I was reading it in my Google Drive, not on the document. So okay. I was like, the city, open the Google document, wait for it to load. <laughs> the city. The city. <laughs> I said, anyways, God. There is not just one hell, but this hell, the city, is cold, metallic, and glowing. Far underground, deep in the bitter frost of inhuman indifference, a creature found his home. He dug and burrowed and hollowed out the cold earth, a saccharine and manic glee driving him to ruin his body again and again, building his home, his domain, his own personal hell. This was ages and ages ago, before time was measured, before humanity grew out of its infancy. Now this cold hell is a metropolis. Dark buildings built from black stone polished to a mirror's shine stretch from the pit. From the bottom, the top is obscured in darkness, simply stretching on and on past reason. When evil makes a home, more evil comes. The stone is framed and constrained by steel, every corner sharp and deadly. The metal shot through with neon and sickly glowing green, purple, and red lights. The color from the lights spilling like blood from the dark stone and gray steel. The light serves more to highlight the brutal architecture and cast any that set foot into the city into a state of vertigo but even for a place of pure evil the city is particularly the city is particularly twisted nature breeds monsters creatures of fangs and claws blood and death they feed on it monsters feed on the suffering feed on that suffering growing supernatural on the delicious fear of man and animal alike but the city feeds on those monsters breaking them Like the master of this domain originally broke the earth, splitting bones like stone, harnessing the creature's rage and steel, and bending their minds with flickering and insidious electronics. The master has had many names throughout the years, but now he likes to be called Harry. His body was ruined by the effort of carving out the city, but that ruined form simply became the canvas on which to melt his, on which to melt wicked magic and human technology together. Most of his body is gone now, save for the severed head. A head that has been strapped to a body made of borrowed bones and muscle, fed by the blood of his victims and pumped by electric motors through plastic tubing. His greed is endless, as through the ages he kept adding more and more limbs as he claimed more and more victims. The one thing that he did not change was the smile. That sickly sweet smile. Inside the darkest building, in a room bathed in purple light reflecting on black stone, a man that seemed to still be mostly human save for a few modified limbs stands. Harry's body is mostly in shadow, but the disembodied head, frozen with that manic grin, seems to float in the flickering purple light. Hey Herb! Hey, did you get that basket I sent? That was just an excellent you job. That was just an excellent job you did on that merger with the commune of vampires. I know those meetings can be just a hair tense, you know. Vampires, they are huggers, no way around it. They are just made of HR violations. Yeah. Yeah, I got the basket, but no, no. Don't interrupt. It's important. That you know how valuable you are, Herb. 
sure, yeah, but Mr. Oh, Mr. Come on, Herb. Mr. Sir. We're friends. This is, well, it's not a family, but, you know, you're not just some errand boy. Get over here. Always with the grim face. I love this guy. Fine. Harry, I got the basket. And I know you appreciate the work I did getting the vampires down here and agreeing to be modified to fit in. Don't downplay it. Well, it it was easy with what we offered as an alternative, but sir, Harry, uh, it's about Liv. Oh, yes, that absolute bitch, Herb. Why are we even talking about her? You set my collectors right. Yes. And she just ended up in some little backwater, right? Yes. So what's the problem? One of the goats, well, it was badly damaged. Well, tell the other one that you sent to drag him back and grab her on the way, and... Well, that goat is dead, sir. And the other one has yet to find her. It seems that she had some help from someone in the town. Herb. Herb, 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 herb. I put you in charge here, and now you're telling me that somehow she's surviving in a tiny little podunk town? I, I, I know, sir, but you see, we followed the protocol and... Herb? Do I pay you to just follow the protocol, Herb? I didn't hire you to just know the manual, and now here you go, thinking because what? You sorted out five vampires that wouldn't stop biting everything? That you can just fail me, Herb? No, sir, I haven't failed you. I just need more time and maybe more resources just to ensure that we get... Those goats are not inexpensive. And frankly, Herb, tracking down that insolent woman was not meant to be a hard task. I... I know. I know that, sir. And I'll, I'll get her back. I'm on it. I just, you know, what is important, Herb? Motivation is important. And you clearly don't care about me. I can tell that. But I bet you care about yourself. So how about this? Harry snaps his fingers and an electronic pop and a flush of stinking fluid fly from Herb's arm as it falls away from his body. The stinking fluid sinking into the plush carpet of the office. Harry walks over and picks up the arm, placing it into his clockwork nightmare of a body. I do love how all of you are so dependent on these cybernetics. It makes punishing you so easy, Herb. You want your arm back? Bring Liv back here. That is the end of Interlude 1. Where are we at on time? Yeah, we're at an hour. Yeah, I think we'll be at an hour, 20 minutes. (laughs) you You can keep going if you want. Uh... I don't think so. I think, I think I'll sure leave it there. The problem is... You only for 10 minutes, Cody. Huh? You I only, only went for 10 minutes. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I'll go. I'll yeah. go. It's just the next chapter is kind of long. Okay, so we'll do chapter four. God damn it, Leonard. What in the hells is she? What? I don't know what you're talking about. I just pulled her out of the woods. What? Why? Did she do something? No. She... Do something? No. She seemed fine. Gotta say, her disguise is good, but Leonard, you are getting slow if you didn't notice anything wrong with that girl. Doc, give me a break here. Quit tanning my hide over 
this? What is she? She smells like sulfur, you old fool. Aw, oh, shoot. She doesn't have a concussion either. That is something evil that made her forget what she is. And D Leonard, she's something demonic. <laughs> well, no kidding on that, Rachel. At least about the memory loss. Also, it's not so bad that she's some kind of demon or something. We've had demons here before. Don't be rude. I know that, Leonard. That's not my point. But generally, demons with amnesia that are on the run being attacked by what I understand to be a giant goat robot is hardly harbinger is hardly the harbinger of a good time. I know, I know, Rach, but don't get worried just yet. We have dealt with plenty of folks that have bad backgrounds and never showed them the door before now. So let's give Liv a chance here. Oh, her, her I'm not worried about. Well, I'm worried that she... I'm kind of worried, like, I want to keep an eye on her and make sure she doesn't, like, carry off a kid in the night or become a different person. Just the usual stuff, you know. But what about what's hunting her? Something really bad left a mark on that girl. <sighs> we don't close the door on people just because I'm not saying to run her out of town, Leonard. I'm saying whatever is coming for her might not just want... Whatever's coming for her, you might not be able to handle it just by yourself. I think you might need a deputy or something. Aw, oh, this again, Rach. I'm serious, old man. Look at you. Hey, most people don't have the right attitude. Or they annoy me. Or I annoy them. Well, maybe you need some annoying. That's all I'm saying is to think about it. Alright, Doc. I cross my arms on the hospital bed. She's not wrong, but... Everyone always had a... Ugh. She's not wrong, but everyone always has a bad attitude about things like this. Everyone always thinks the sky is falling, but... Wait, sorry. Everyone's... <laughs> everyone always thinks the sky is falling. Oh my gosh, what is happening, Jordan? I don't know. Why Cody? can I not read? You can't, but you can keep going, man. Just repeat the sentence. We're all good. You miss one letter and a word and your brain just shuts off. Everyone always thinks the sky is falling here, but Bolivia has yet to be leveled by anything that is blown into town. Me and Rachel walk back out of the little room a few minutes later uh, to make it look like she actually did give me a checkup on something, at least. I could see Rachel's body language completely change as soon as Liv was in sight, tense anxiety melting away into motherly affection. It was creepy how well she did that. So, how was your checkup, Leonard? Yeah, everything's fine. He needs to eat less red meat, drink less caffeine, and stop tempting the age of his bones. Yeah, like I said, everything's fine. As for you, here's my address. Have Lena drop you off at my place after you have... Oh my gosh. Have Lena drop you off at my place and we can get to know each other a little better. I will let you know I am a terrible cook, so keep that in mind. Thanks, Rachel. Liv and Rachel look like they want to keep talking, but we really don't have time to dawdle. If we are going to be able to lick whatever's coming for us, then I have to get to work. Not fun work, mind you, but work nonetheless. Now, most towns the size of Bolivia have a library of some sort. But shoot, most towns do not have an abundant amount of folks that can do magics or have lived for something close to forever. Also, old Helen Reagan, our librarian, she's just plain mean. She's been mean ever since I was a boy. 
What all that comes to is, I don't much like going to the library, but I spend time there anytime something new ends up in town. Come on, Liv. Sorry, Rach. We gotta get going. We got some reading to do. I hurry Liv out the door to my truck. Why are you in such a rush? I'm not in a rush. I just don't want to be doing this all day. No call to waste time, you know. Yeah, sure. You know, just because I can't remember why I'm here doesn't mean I'm stupid. I didn't say you were being stupid. Oh, yeah, sure. And helpful doctor back there was just acting normal. Definitely. I buy that. Eh, Rachel's just friendly. Yeah. And you actually needed a checkup. That's so charitable of her. You have something eaten that you live that you want to talk about? What, other than everyone treating me like a monster? We're a town of monsters, Liv. It'll be weird if there's something not scary about you. Oh, that makes me feel better. We just can't be careless, that's all. Sure, sure, makes sense. And leaving me unsupervised is careless. I get it. Ah, shoot. That's just a foolish way of looking at it, and you're being dramatic. The truck goes silent. Liv stares out the window, arms folded. She's still clearly mad at me. You don't have to stay with Rachel. We're not holding you prisoner or nothing. But she is one of the nicest people in town. And well, the hotel's run by a bunch of crooks. And they don't even have hot breakfast. So Rachel is a terrible cook though. So maybe just order pizza or something. Liv looks slightly less angry, but still just sits with her arms crossed. We pull up to a building that is way too clean and where snow never seems to accumulate. Ellen might be one of the most powerful witches or sorceresses or whatever godforsaken thing she is, but she will never lift even one finger to melt anyone else out. Never. Drives me crazy, especially since she insists that she's not doing anything to keep the library from ever having to clean its own walkways. The building itself is gorgeous and imposing. Columns that look like stone, but are probably just some kind of poured concrete, line the front of the building. The brick of the structure is spotless. The evergreens and large planters perfectly trimmed and neat. It is a building that just at a glance dares you to make one mark or drop a single piece of litter. You can almost see where old Helen's aura ends, since just beyond the bounds of the library, trash is caught in the snow and there is dirt of any kind. As we walk in, I see Helen sitting on a stool behind the circulation desk, her thin old mouth drawn into a line as she scowls at me. Her hair is gray and in a tight bun, she wears a full skirt that falls all the way to the floor in a floral dress. Who is she? Hey there, Helen. How are you? I am doing as well as ever. And who is she? Uh, this is Liv. She just arrived. And does she have a library card? No, Helen. She just got to town. And well, then you inform her not to touch any books. I wince as I hear Liv speak. Oh, hey, Helen. I speak English, so, you know, you can just talk to me and tell me not to touch the books. This is a library, dear. Keep your voice down. What? You and Leonard were just talking. At a respectable volume. Okay, listen here, you hag. Jeez. This time, I noticed. First, I felt the library fall dead silent. Really, I mean the kind of quiet that feels painful. It felt like the sound was being pulled out of the air around us. Then the weight hit, like we were being rooted to the floor. My stomach rolled and I grimaced, barely able to open my mouth, much less speak, and try to break the tension. 
There was also a smell, though. Not the usual dry sterility of the library. I could smell sulfur and a whiff of burning. Trembling, I glanced over and saw Liv, looking like she hadn't felt anything, taking a step towards the circulation desk. Clearly about to say something... Sorry. Clearly about to say something else unfortunate to a woman that could kill her as easy as thinking. I managed to grab her arm and blurt out, Sorry, Helen. We'll We'll be out of your hair. I stumble away, dragging the still-enraged Liv with me. What the hell, Leonard? She was being rude first, and why are you sucking up to that? She was being rude! I saw you go toe-to-toe with a monster. I'm still breathing hard. Well, first off, there's no need to fight her, and I'd like to keep it that way. And second, she's probably the most dangerous thing in Bolivia, and you had to get smart with her. Get smart? dangerous she's a tiny old lady you didn't feel it gosh darn you want to get killed what are you talking about you just looked scared and i all i felt was her being rude yeah well anyway just look sit here at this table and just don't touch anything i'm still shaking as i walk away from the table and bury myself in a deep corner of the library the books around me are a mix of hardly used hardcovers of non-fiction, that type of book that every library seems to have but no one ever seems to read, but mixed in are dusty scrolls and clearly hand-bound and written tomes. I might not love coming to the library, but I appreciate a quiet place to catch my breath. I take a slow, deep breath of the dry, papery feeling air, trying to get my nerves to still in the demonic reference section. Liv comes from something evil. Well, that does explain the attitude, but... Not what she is or if she is dangerous. Well, I guess I know she is dangerous. She killed that goat thing while half unconscious with a massive head wound. But I guess she might not be actively malicious. It's always the hardest part of this job, not having the fights. Most people can be talked down or cowed with the right actions. I'm guessing Liv could find a home here. But that is really not the issue at hand. Her, I'm guessing I can avoid a fight with. But that goat... That was another, that was the other kind of thing. Not just mean, but inhuman. A real monster. Most things here in Bolivia are weird, and our morality has to be a little bit flexible, but we try to get everyone to get along, and for the most part, even though sometimes there are things that eat people every now and again, we manage to make that work. But, if we catch the attention of something really tough, something that actually wants to leave us as nothing more than a crater, well, I'm not sure that a town of cast-off misfits is really going to be able to help live. I snort to myself, though, as I remember back again, to her cool as anything shooting a monster in the head while it's in a full charge against her. Maybe she's going to save us. I pull all the books I can think to read and make my way back over to the table. As I come back, I see something that can only be bad news. Nick, of all people, talking to Liv. He's one of them... One of them kids that wants to be seen, kind of a show-off to my eyes. He's tall and thin, with long brown hair, covered from head to toe in these stupid-looking tattoos, always wearing all black with metal all over his face. Ugh. The week when he showed up was rough, come into town to open up a tattoo parlor. Just what we need, a tattoo parlor. We got people here that were alive 300 years ago. We got people here that were alive 300 years ago, and this kid might as well be an alien to most of these deathless... Whoa, to most of the deathless folk in this town. They still eat with cloth napkins in their lap and think that dinners should happen only with formal handwritten invitations. 
They're not all modern like me, but shoot, even I think Nick is weird. Why would you want to have a big old ring hanging out of your nose like a bowl or something? And on top of that, he sold his soul. Uh, and that is the end of chapter four. What? That's exactly where you're going to just end it? It's like, yeah, there's this conversation with this guy, and I don't really like him. Oh, and he sold his soul. Bye. Yeah, no, that, the the funny part is the juxtaposition of what bothers Leonard about him is that he has tattoos and, and face yeah, piercings, not, the not that he that sold you... his soul. <laughs> Okay, so really quick, the first part was pretty much like, um, I don't know, in my brain it took it as the creation of hell, but I don't think that's necessarily what you were going for. Oh, no, it is. Okay. It, I mean, it like, I didn't know if it was like was all hell or if it was just like no. a portion. Okay, so, but Harry there is, is not Harry just is the one de- hell. Okay, but Harry is like but a this... devil, not the devil. So the. The line in the For story the audience who is, don't it, know and can't get the like reaction, actually, Cody like waved his hand back and forth, like, yeah, kind oh, of. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, just, so. Just, yeah, so, um, so, sorry. <laughs> so there is not just one hell. This is a hell. Okay. Hell being like a yes. confluence of evil. Yeah. This is one of them. Harry is just a monster that made this place and it's his. Yeah. So uh, you can call that Satan. He's not like the Christian well, devil. Yeah, yeah. It's, and this is not it's the like Christian devil. It's like animes and fantasy and stuff where we have like demons and devils are not always like actual Lucifer goat devil or like actual yeah. demons. This is just like a primordial evil that exists. Yeah, he is, he is something old and extremely evil that ruined his body digging out stone so like i would imagine this is like his hands were all like ripped to shreds yeah, he has and his little bones t-rex exposed yeah, yeah, yeah. from like tearing at stone to make this den of evil yeah, and then refabricated his body with horrible monsters and now he's like a creepy pile of limbs yeah, yeah. <laughs> except for his severed head that's like a constantly smiling face yeah you made a real interesting demon there man what it was is i was listening to the soundtrack of doom and then wrote a monster. So you were just listening to metal music. And you're like, yeah. Yeah, and I made a creepy monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of my... I mean, it was editing, but what I was listening to the other day was the Demon Souls soundtrack. I'm like, man, what kind of hell could I create listening to this? <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very, I mean, Demon Souls soundtrack, very good. Very good. But yeah, no, no. I, I liked it. I just, yeah... It, because the way you started that interview was so different than anything you have done in the story yet i was a little confused for like a good minute or so but yeah no i thought it was really good yeah sorry i guess i could give some structure here that the interlude is like somewhere yeah. else and told in a different yeah, voice yeah no i it, it makes sense now you don't have to do it now like it makes sense <laughs> no i get that i guess something that i'm curious about is i switch from third from first to third person in the interlude mm-hmm. and i don't know if that's like bad form but there isn't like a character that i'm going to introduce that i want to tell from first like i don't want to tell the story first person from the perspective of harry or herb because neither of them are supposed to be relatable and knowing what's going on in their head would almost do a disservice to them yeah i I think i think the way that you did it was fine that's not the part i was confused by the part was just like you jump in starting like from from like oh yeah they're talking to this nurse and then like because some people are going to listen to this back to back. And that's kind of how my brain works, where I remember exactly what happened last. So, like, I remember what happened last was, oh, yeah, they talked to the nurse. And then suddenly you're like, oh, yes. And he scraped out these black stones and, like, this mirror-like city. And, like, what the heck are you talking so, about? But I yeah, it. so this would be, like, if you were reading this text, what you would see is, like, yeah. chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. And then it would be called, like, interlude one, the city. Yes. It is entirely a different place and then the other thing i wrote was chapter four right so that 
chapter three and chapter four oh, yeah, back yeah, to yeah. back. This yeah, that made like once you in, ended the interlude and started talking. I'm very glad you did both chapters today because it did make it, it yeah works. Better so the way. idea of originally this interlude was going to go before chapter three, like so after chapter two. I like where it is. Um, the reason I put it later is because I kind of wanted it to be. The doctor realizes that there's something wrong with Liv. Yeah, and then we see what she that smells is. like sulfur, and then you see that like there is someone that she offended who is trying to kill her and that she ran from. So like this is what's chasing her. This is what's going to be coming to Bolivia. And so then when you come back and they're talking about like we're kind of worried about what might be on its way. This is what's on its way. Yeah, yeah, you no, know? no. I like the placement of where it is really well i think you did a very good job no i get why it'd be like jarring though um i wish there was like a better i could you know i wonder if there's like a line i could put like a long time ago in a galaxy far away like put that at the top just to be like somewhere else (laughs) honestly like well if this was a book you know how like some books have like and they do this in movies too but have like the like caption like where it is like oh yeah in this town you could literally just have that in bold at the start of the thing somewhere else that yeah. would work in a book if we were reading this. <laughs> I'm just gonna, yeah. So I'll put it in all caps and bold. Yeah, all caps, bold. That. Yeah, no, that. I think that worked really good. Elsewhere. Yeah. Also, frick that one sentence that I read three times. Literally, read it the like correct way times, to read buddy. it. <laughs> the correct way to read it was verbatim, and I just like would read the sentence, and I, like when I read my own writing, I fill in words correctly. Like if I've missed something small, and the problem is sometimes I do that when I shouldn't. <laughs> Like, I start reading a sentence, and I'm like, this isn't what I meant. I'll fill in the right word. And I do it automatically, without thinking. Yeah. No, absolutely. I I, I liked it. I, I, I liked what you did. Yeah, you, you you stumbled over that sentence so hard, but who am I to talk as yeah. I stumbled over my own Boy, heart. I... <laughs> really did i my god that's why i was just like because you, you were gonna like just do it like the second thing well no cody just read the whole thing again and like honestly the audience might not even know what we're talking about because i might just take the best take of that and leave it all out <laughs> so i might even have to delete this whole conversation we'll see if i can take it out or not but yeah but yeah no, I, I or you can just leave this conversation in and then people can know that somewhere in there there was a sentence i read seven yeah times. they won't they won't know what sentence <laughs> that is like oh yeah cody did perfect what is he talking about jordan is just a dick <laughs> no but I, I i like your story i like i like what you do man you you do you do good man i guess oh i do want to say a special thanks to my friend elizabeth who's reading the story as i'm writing it and giving me some other feedback because it's nice to have multiple people's feedback on a story yeah it is good to have multiple people's feedback on a story. I, is anyone else reading yours um, like as like faster than you're releasing the episodes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just they they editing wise and like helping me like form things wise. That's going to be happening like way later because I want to get the whole story first. And I have not given them the last chapter because I need to rewrite that because like there's continuity errors all over the place. <laughs> Oh well, yeah, so that's yeah, why I'm going doing rewrites and like actually reading the story, so I know like, because yeah, I want to like try to publish this thing, and like you can't have a continuity error. Something that happens didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that's but yeah, I, I I'm gonna have more people reading and help me edit. So by the time like I'm close to finishing this on the show, like it will be like probably a lot more succinct than it has been because yeah reading back through it's like man there's so much that i have here that doesn't need to be said by anybody well yeah and i mean this is kind of the nature of we're reading each other we're reading each other our first drafts you know like there's 
stuff that I would do differently. Even then, like if like a part of me, I mean, I'm not going to do it because it's going to be very boring. But like, I do want to like reread on the show like the first chapter because that's like first chapter when I did it on the show was the first draft, and now I'm on like draft number four for it. So it's much different yeah. than it was when I read it the first time. And also, name of the town's probably going to change, so I don't get like yelled at by people who live in that town that <laughs> that I live in and things like that. But yeah, I don't know. I enjoy, I've enjoyed writing these stories and reading the stories with you. So next week we'll probably do another another chapter each, and then maybe take a quick break to do a world building thing. Sure. All right, sounds good. Hey, right, now so Cody, it is time to end the episode. Do you got any plugs? Uh, I'll take that as a no. No, I mean, Wandering Gamer Network. We just wrapped up Outlaws Wanted, which is the first time I've finished a campaign in a way that I feel good about. And I'm starting a new game soon, so that feels good. That's good. I'm glad you Also, check games. me out on Twitch at Wandering Twitch. underscore Gamers, where we don't finish Nancy Drew ever. Why, what's happening with Nancy Drew? I'm playing Nancy Drew. And it's bad. I hate it. Yeah. It's so bad. I don't love it. And I, I know just you guys are like boy. doing like so you could get like more unique viewers and stuff doing like games that aren't popular or good, but you should like give yourself a break and play something that's like a, a good game because you play like the Lord of the Rings game, which was trash, by the way. Yeah, I mean, like the 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 name of the stream is uh aggressively irrelevant. Yeah. That's uh, we're like literally trying not to get viewers in a sense. The point is to play weird games with my friend, not to play good games. You can play a good irrelevant game. We're planning. No, I think the next thing we're doing is SimCity. Um, but I want to play like a little bit of all of them. Oh, no one's, there's not a new SimCity coming out. Oh, no, right it's now. never Generally coming people, out ever. There's no more SimCity. You have played the last city of the Sims. That's what I'm saying. That's what yeah, makes it irrelevant I, is it's a I'm dead series that came out like six years you ago should like play, the so installment. i had this we need to end the show but i have this uh the like sim package that came with like sim copters streets of sim city sim city sim um tower and a bunch of other things that are all really bad games streets of sim city is basically like grand theft audio well no basically like visual Envy 8 where you're driving around trying to blow up other cars and that's like mm-hmm. one of the greatest computer games I've ever played. Um, and then like sim copters, like the rescue copters, it is very badly done and glitchy as hell. But anyways, you can check me out on um something I guess something I guess zero zero at twitch.tv where I um stream with my dear friend Will on Wednesdays and we talk about anime on a show we like to call We Belong. You can check me out at twitch.tv forward slash flowem where we do chaos fiction and theater where we read the worst of the worst fan fictions on a Sunday. I don't have a time. Oh also the We Belong show is Wednesdays at 5 30 mountain time which is um 7 30 eastern time. Right. Yep. And then you can also check me out on Fridays occasionally on the Stewing with the Bean stream, where I um stream with a talk show, nightly talk show, with my friends Kyle Cop on his channel, twitch.tv forward slash Kyle Cop. And then you can check out my other podcast, the Side Characters Podcast about diversity and neuroculture, which is going on hiatus soon as we have just wrapped up our second season. So check out all the millions of shows that I do where I have no time to play video games or have a social life. Um, but enjoy. <laughs> so yeah, that's all we got. So thank you all for listening. We will catch y'all on the flip side. Say bye, Cody. I was waiting for you to say bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>